0: Hi, welcome to the Mid-Market CFO Circle, a podcast by High Radius, where we talk to industry experts and bring forward the challenges that mid-market CFOs face and how you can leverage emerging technology to solve them. Today, for this podcast, we have with us an exceptional speaker uh, who has been working in O2C domain domain for 15 plus years. So let's welcome Shilpam to the uh, podcast. Hi, Shilpam, how are you doing? Hi, thanks, I'm doing great. Great to have you with us. So I'm gonna take a couple of minutes and explain what an incredible person we have with us today to talk about the steps that mid-market CFOs can plan to make their offices data intelligent. So uh, Shilpam is an O2C expert who has 15 years of extensive experience in end-to-end design to implementation of digital innovation and transformation programs. She's right now working as AVP and is part of O2C consulting team for Genpac's global clients, and she's been partnering on uh, order, order to cash finance transformation journeys for multiple clients, including including design and development of multiple concept solutions across accounts receivable. So uh, thank you so much for taking time today, Shilpam. Uh, and I not want to uh, you know waste any more time and I wanna dive right into what makes it possible for emerging enterprises. Um, And how should these emerging enterprises make sure that whatever are the common misconceptions that finance leaders have today, that they should be watching out for?
1: Thank you, Madhurma. First of all, thanks for the great introduction. Um, It's my pleasure to participate in this um, and share my insights. I think um, the common stereotype in the Office of Finance that we see is that there is a uh, there's a fearful, cautious uh, CFO office reluctant to take risks. Uh, but I think rather than being risk conscious, it's more of if, if we actually go ahead and, you know, do transformation, then do we get a commensurate payout? Uh, so with a momentum that we see in digital technologies, right, so rather than viewing it as a risk, uh, it's more of how do we get rid of the process challenges or the painful processes, Um, Then I feel that uh, the focus for the Office of Finance is no more that how did I perform or the business performed last year, but it's how are where are we going to go in three years from now, right. And and I think uh, it's more of how do we foresee the results. Uh, So it's no more how we performed, uh, you know, in the previous years, and it's more of prediction and how can we take the corrective actions. And another misconception that I see is actually, um, you know, these days in the oil of transformation, which is data. So it's, I think it's no more uh, being data driven, but it's more of being data informed, right? So the dynamic is changing to a great extent. And the misconception that we have in the data governance strategy is like we need to have a centralized repository for data consistency. But I think it's more of a consistent and an ongoing effort that is required and a bad quality data can lead to detrimental consequences. So it's very important to be data informed and uh, to actually harness the data to fuel growth. So I think these are the common misconceptions that we see based on the interactions that we have recently with our clients. Now, what is
0: according to you, the biggest or most common challenge for CFO officers that are
1: embarking on their journeys to become more data-driven? That's a very interesting question. I think it's plenty. <laughs> so actually, you see that uh, you know data is basically uh, uh, the heart of any transformation exercise. We all know that, right? We actually look up to the data teams to provide us with high-quality data, but I think it's easier said than done. Right. So apart from the technical issues, uh, there are um, other human challenges like cumbersome human challenges, I would say, in terms of communication, in terms of collaboration, in terms of internal alignment. I feel it's very important uh, to democratize the data culture uh, to have, uh, you know, or to improve the analytics coverage and to deepen insights and the biggest challenge uh, you know apart from this that we see recently right is um, is that there are fragmented systems we have that there are different business units uh, and all of them have their own legacy systems different erps are there so data exists in silos and because of that uh, there are so many issues in terms of unlocking the data So what I mean is like, there is no one single system of truth, right? So um, you have to actually spend a lot of time in reconciling the data. Uh, There are a lot of data quality issues that are there, lots of manual effort to do that work. And another thing that culminates out of it is that there are challenges in data modeling because of that, right? Because there are different versions of truth and they're dispersed across the systems. So because of that, a data modeling becomes a, a big challenge. So I think we need to break these silos from data standpoint to actually have an effective transformation exercise. And because of all these challenges, um, uh, it becomes very difficult to have digital uh, transformation or to embrace digitization at the right point in time, because there's a lot of um, dependency which is there on finance departments to consolidate the data um, and reconcile and then to report the data.
0: And uh, let's see if... Uh, A CFO's office wants to get their data domain right uh, for their organization. So what would you say would be, let's say, the top five steps or the first five steps that a CFO should take to have an effective data governance strategy?
1: This is a tough one and an interesting one, I should say. (laughs) But um, I think think to get the data domain right is quintessential, right? And Um, According to um, how we have done the transformation recently and what I have seen, I think it starts from, um, you know, from people, then a process is followed and finally it ends with technology, but each of these components need to uh, build over one another to have an effective data governance strategy right? And, um, and I feel that uh, for any initiative to be successful, it's very important to have a leadership buy-in or the key stakeholders buy-in. I think that's very important uh, for having uh, the data governance strategy to be impactful. And you can only get the leadership buy-in if you tell that what would happen if anything goes wrong, right? So to build the right business case. Now, if you, for instance, you know, if you have your AP contacts within the master data, correct, or Obviously, your collections efficiency will go up, right? But if that, that data is incorrect, then no matter you build any tool, you will not be calling the right contacts. So um, just an example from the AR domain that I wanted to you know portray, but I think um, it's very important to showcase that what could go wrong uh, if the data is not you know uh, well maintained or it's not enriched. Then I feel that it's very important to delineate the ownership, um, the roles and responsibilities to the right stakeholders to actually lead any initiative. And um, so, when you have, uh, you know, when you go ahead with this data uh, enrichment uh, or data governance um, initiative, then I feel that there should be a data governance team. Uh, there should ha- there should be the members like um, um, the tactical owners who are responsible for updating the data. Then there are data policy makers, there are data users. So it's very important to demarcate what are the roles and responsibilities that are required to be taken care, um, and how the ownership is going to be driven by the team. Then I think for anything to be successful, measurability is very important. So everybody would be interested that, you know, how are we performing based on the key KPIs that are there? So it actually helps you to have the right checkpoint to see that uh, whether the best policies are in effect or it's just in theory, right? So uh, it's very important to you know, put together that what are the key metrics that we are going to observe. A small example is like, for instance, if you are taking care of a, an update, say just the banking updates in customer master data. Now, how effective has been your cash application after that, right? If you have if you have maintained your Micker details, you have maintained your banking details, were you able to apply the cash well what was the difference before and what is uh, where have you reached after the data enrichment later on so uh, figuring out the key kpis is very important uh, and that should be properly um, you know delineated um, uh, from the kpi standpoint uh, to measure and see that where the corrective action is required And finally, I feel uh, that it should be an ongoing practice and not a short-term project, definitely because uh, this is something that needs to be done consistently.
0: And when a CFO's office is able to put all of these things together to get their offices data-driven and have the right data uh, domain strategies in place, how can they expect it to change the bottom line for their business?
1: so I think, you know, to make uh, application of data is very important uh, to actually make better decisions. Um, and uh, every strategic decisions, I think, depend on data collection, analysis and insights, right? So if you um, are not able to maintain the data well, then a lot of things can go wrong uh, not even your process implement, or sorry, process transformation would be great, but also your digital transformation will lack the right fuel. Um, so I come from an AR domain, right? So um, I think that, uh, you know, there are certain uh, metrics that a CFO organization should track. Uh, in order to have the faster uh, revenue growth. Um, I feel, for instance, the day sales outstanding is very important right, to be tracked because um, it actually uh, helps in evaluating uh, your operational effectiveness because it's directly related with collections. Now, faster collections means better cash flows, And that money you can actually um, allocate to your uh, high purpose projects or purposes, right? Um, So I think that's very important to track. Business to be successful, it is very important to track uh, the key risk accounts. Um, Now, what is the value that those accounts have in the overall business? I think that can be tracked based on the aging analysis or the past payment behavior of that respective end customer. Uh, Then I feel uh, collections efficiency index is very important and uh, that impacts bottom line, right? So um, it's very important to track CEI because uh, it helps you to um, understand that what is the outstanding money or how successful the business is in collecting the outstanding money. And it also creates visibility into if your collection policies need any changes, An effective CEI index means that you have stronger credit policies and you have, uh, you know, an effective collections management system, whereas a declining CEI means that your cash flow is reducing and it's impacting your bottom line. And I feel that uh, finally, I feel it's very important to track the periodic uh, customer reviews because it helps you to be on the top of your uh, risk accounts of the end customers and reduces any chances of bad debt that can happen, right? So especially for a small and mid-sized companies, right, where you are working on multiple projects, there is so much of pressure at one point in time. Um, The above metrics not only provides, I think, visibility or transparency, but it also helps for a faster revenue growth. And what about the latest
0: trends in terms of implementing high-end technology platforms? and let's say RPA to automate or streamline such processes, Uh, what role can analytics play in such scenarios?
1: So I think see um, robotic process automation or machine learning or NLP, NLG, like all these digital technologies helps um, a business to get rid of their non-value-added processes, right? Now, analytics uh, leverages all these technologies and they help in root cause analysis. It helps you to predict the results, foresee the results. Um, It actually helps to uncover any problems, sorry, uncover the solutions for any problems that the business is facing, right? Um, So, and also what we are seeing lately is that there's a lot of, uh, you know, inclination towards real-time data or real-time analytics, right? Wherein we want to mitigate the risk and react to any of the problems instantaneously, right? So, it actually helps us to give a better sense of risk and react to the changes immediately. Now from analytics standpoint, um, uh, we are seeing that there are three types of analytics these days that, that is coming up in most of the SaaS platforms. right? One is uh, uh, your descriptive analytics, which actually helps to understand what has happened in the past. Then there is predictive analytics that actually tells us that what could happen. And then there is prescriptive analytics that tells us that what should happen in the future. So um, I think analytics helps in taking better decisions. It helps in better enablement of key strategic initiatives. It helps in better customer relationships. And um, I just wanted to highlight one very interesting conversation. I was just, you know, thinking about it that, that we had like, so there was the CXO for one of the companies uh, with whom we were actually discussing the digital transformation uh, within AR domain. And, uh, and he mentioned a very, um, a very good quote that, I'm interested uh, you know, to understand the analytics capabilities, but I don't want to spend money in data analytics. I wanted to figure out what are the various uh, alternatives that you can tell me that helps to make money from, from analytics capabilities. So I think uh, the culture where we are growing is uh, data hungry. And I feel that uh, the best idea, which is facilitated by best data, is um, is where we all want to invest.
0: So that's really interesting. You said that uh, this customer of yours that you were talking to did not want to spend money, but he wanted to get benefits out of data. Did I get that right?
1: That's right. So actually, he mentioned, you know, that I don't want to, uh, you know, spend money on data analytics, but I want to use it. To make money to figure out few alternatives that analytics can give me and make money out of it. What did you reply to that? So it was like very interesting. We said, yeah, definitely. So these are the options that you can see to foresee the results within prediction. And this is what you need to do, corrective actions, right? So it gives you a lot of, um, you know, it gives visibility to a lot of problems that you are seeing in your business. And you know that what needs to be corrected at the right time. But another thing that we've already discussed is that you need stakeholder buying for it, right? So everybody should be uh, there as a team and work collaboratively. There should be communication. There should be internal alignment that has to be collaboration to actually get to those results
0: absolutely so carrying
1: on our discussion
0: on technology what do you think CFOs should opt for after RPA and technology uh, platform implementation what should be the next approach that CFOs should be taking for improving their business matrices
1: Uh, So, honestly, where we are actually right now doing the digital transformations for a lot of our clients, right? We see that they are still at a nascent stage or the early stages of uh, digital transformation uh, in the way that would actually give efficiencies or value or insights within the business. So, I think the promising areas um, after this um, is um, I think digital, uh, I think data visualization to a great extent by giving giving the end users um, the access to the real-time data and improve the organizational performance. I think that's a that's a very promising area. And uh, another one that I feel is advanced analytics that we spoke about, but it's not just for better decision-making, but it's also to uh, help operations to uncover growth opportunities, right? As we just spoke about. And then I think that there is a shift from, uh, you know, um, uh, is from a kind of a wave one automation to a wave two automation so what I mean by that is, like, you know, most of the companies they started with a first level of automation with RPA, and now there's a lot of movement towards a second level of automation to have machine learning, NLPs, SaaS platforms, right? So I think for this, it's very important to identify uh, the right um, use cases uh, to do the transformation um, in the in the high end technology area. Then finally, I think um, operating model is very important, right? So reimagining the operating model with new capabilities is key. And I think that's, that's a very promising area as well. So um, we all are, uh, you know, um, ha- focusing our efforts to reduce um, any kind of manual tasks which are there within the operations. And now uh, the new operating model, I think, starts with uh, leaner core, uh, tight data practices, new data management policies and enhanced automation.
0: With this, we come to the completion of this episode. So uh, thank you so much for having this really important conversation with me. Uh, Before we end this particular podcast, I wanted to uh, get your parting thoughts for uh, CFOs that want to make their CFOs office, or their teams, their, um, their solutions data intelligent.
1: Right, so I think uh, for any transformation, it's, uh, it's a trilingual approach. Uh, there has to be a combination of process, policy, data, or you can say three Ds. It's domain, digital, or, and data. Uh, data is the fuel to get the domain and the digital transformation right. So I think uh, there should be a lot of effort to enrich the data in order to have uh, the best end-to-end transformation.
0: Great. Thank you so much for your time, Shilpam. I think this was really very interesting and will make for an amazing discussion for people to learn from. So I hope to host you again soon, but till then, thank you so much.